Welcome to the Start a Brewery podcast, where we discuss all things relating to startups, open and growing breweries, from concept to execution. We are pleased to partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 15, Contract Brewing and Alternating Proprietorship, part two. I'm Laura Lodge, here with Candace Moon, and we're excited to welcome you to our ongoing podcast journey. As your hosts and founders of Start a Brewery, we have both we both have extensive experience in our areas of specialty. Candace is the craft beer attorney, having worked with more than 500 brewery clients over time. And my background is a mix of distribution, event planning, and craft beer education. You can find more information about us and our contributors, plus a whole bunch of information and resources at startabrewery.com. To begin today, we appreciate our podcast sponsor. Hey, brewery owners, looking for an untapped revenue stream? With a flat parking lot and the Harvest Hosts network of over 250,000 RVers, you could bring in an extra ten dollars to $15,000 a year. The Harvest Hosts platform connects its members to small businesses for an overnight stay. As a host, you'll open up space for at least one RVer to park for the night. In return, members patronize your business. It's no cost to become a host, and you keep all of your new earnings. Learn more by visiting harvesthosts.com forward slash hosts. This will be episode 15, still speaking from the place of building your business plan, but digging again into the options of contract brewing and alternating proprietorship. As I mentioned in part one, I think this conversation is really important for a number of reasons. First, both contract brewing and alternating proprietorships are legitimate business approaches, and they need to be understood and promoted as such. They are smart and resourceful options. Second, contract brewing and alternating proprietorships are long-standing paths for entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping a small business and offer a very real opportunity for diversifying the beer industry. Startup capital can be an enormous barrier to opening a brewery, and these options reduce the necessary capital substantially, making the opportunity to create and live your dream much more accessible. Third, in the current area era of tightening belts. They are a consideration many do not recognize as an alternative for increasing production as a small brewery or making up production as a large brewery. Episode 15 is continuing forward from our conversation around contract brewing with Phil Markowski of Two Roads, Elisa Bowens Mercado of Rhythm Brewing, and Matthew Osterman of Sleeping Giant Brewing Company. And today we'll focus in the alternating proprietorship direction. In my experience, people seem to understand contract brewing in a general sense, but are often pretty lost around the alt-prop concepts. We use alt-prop for short sometimes. So I'm pleased to have Candice here more as a guest than a host today to help us be clear about the differences. We are pleased to welcome back to the podcast Jamil Sanchef, award-winning home brewer, author, beer judge, and host of The Jamil Show and Brew Strong on Brewing Network and founder of Heretic Brewing Company. Jamil, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, to begin, many of our listeners have likely listened to podcast episode 001, but some may have not heard your story. Would you share again the origins of your heretic dream and this time perhaps get into your considerations about the various options for making that happen? Yeah, uh, I had uh, quit my software job and uh, my wife was telling me I needed to find a real job uh, instead of just writing and and going to homebrew conferences. And um, I told her, you know, I could open a brewery that a friend of mine uh, had a brewery that he was struggling to to get finished. And then if I went in and, and helped him, you know, we could move our own tanks in there and, and brew in there. And I think, you know, at the time, um, a friend of mine, he he had uh, a, a building in in Pittsburgh, California. And um, they had been working on trying to get it open as a brewery for, I think, six years. It was an old building that needed a lot of restoration. And I, my understanding is the city put $6 million into building that thing out. But it still wasn't up and running. And uh, I talked to him and said, well, you know, I'll come in and, you know, finish off the, the last bits that are needed to make the, the brewery run. And uh, I'll bring in my own tanks and, you know, my own people will brew and, you know, we'll alternate who, who brews. And I'm not sure how I realized that an alt prop was a, an option <laughs> legally. I think, uh, you know, I was reading the TTB, 
you know, website and uh, ABC website for uh, information just on licensing. And then I think I, I saw that alternating proprietorship as, as an option. And so I presented it to my friend and, um, uh, you know, he, he was thrilled because, you know, that meant the brewery would get up and running. Um, so uh, I wrote up a contract myself, which um, I'm a little bit, you know, more advanced than the average person when it comes to contracts and contract information. But um, I really would suggest getting an attorney to do that instead. And then we spent, uh, uh, I hired a, a head brewer, um, Chris Kennedy, who's become a good friend. And we together worked tirelessly long days, 16 hour days, getting the, the brewery finished. It took about five months of work. And uh, we, we, we got the, the rest of the equipment, you know, up and running and uh, started to brew. So it was a good way to get started um, without a, a huge investment. Um, and it allows, allowed us to start, uh, you know, around 37 uh, bar U.S. barrels in volume, which is a pretty sizable volume. I mean, I probably could have done a similar thing for, you know, the same amount of money or, or a little bit more. And I could have had, a, you know, like a three or a five barrel brewery. Um, but you know, the direction I was headed was for a, a distributing brewery. So that's why the size was, uh, worked out for us. What size was your system? It was 37 us barrels. So fairly large, large brewery. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, so Candace, when, when you're talking to breweries and planning, how often do contract brewing or alt props come up as options and do they understand what that means? I actually bring them up quite frequently and um, no, they don't always understand what that means by, uh, by any stretch. Um, so just for, for those who, who aren't familiar, contract brewing um, basically is when you pay someone to brew beer for you. And a lot of times it's someone who has a brand may or may not have their own recipe, but you're basically hiring someone else to produce the beer for you. Uh, and then you would buy it from the manufacturer and then either sell it to a distributor or sell it to retailers uh, yourself. An alternating proprietorship is when uh, two uh, brewers share a brewery. And, um, and I didn't realize, uh, actually, that in Jamil's case, the brewery hadn't already been open. So what, what tends to be more common these days is that you have a brewery that's already open that may not be at full capacity and they either do some contract brewing and, or they will uh, do alternating proprietorships. So they'll lease a small, um, a small area of exclusive space as well as time on their equipment to another brewery to come in and be able to, to brew on that system. So in that scenario, the, um, the tenant brewer, the one coming in is doing the brewing themselves. Um, although there is a, a new kind of variation out there where the tenant brewer is uh, hiring the host brewer to actually make the beer for them. So it's set up as an alt prop, but it's works more like a contract brew. Well, and, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons I think, you know, people should, you know, if they're considering contract brewing or alt prop, uh, they should really lean towards the alt prop side is because you have an opportunity to brew your own beer. I never wanted anyone to brew my beer, but me, um, you know, I think that's the only way you can really ensure that your dream, your, your, you know, your quality, your vision uh, is followed. Um, I, I guess you could do it in contract brewing, but you know, there's, there's something about brewing your own beer. I think people get into it, not, if you're into it more as you, you want to market your concept and your brand, um, you know, then contract brewing can be good for you that way. But, you know, most, most people, they want to be brewers. They want to brew the beer themselves. And so alt prop can get you in, um, you know, much cheaper and easier, I think, than uh, setting up a, a brewery yourself. You know, get, a good way to get a start. 
One of the things I, I understand, I believe correctly, is that when you're doing an alternating proprietorship, you have your own license to brew, correct, Candace? Yes. So that's actually required. And an alt prop is for you to get a brewing, uh, state brewing license and a federal uh, brewer's notice. Whereas in a contract brewing situation, uh, you're not doing any brewing yourself, so you don't need a brewing license. And one thing to note, there are some states who actually do not allow alternating proprietorships. I think most do, but uh, actually bumped into one the other day. Apparently, Virginia does not do alternating proprietorships. I thought that was random and unusual, but well, Wisconsin, the, I think, too, maybe. One of the nice things about that is you have your license. And then if, you know, in our case, um, after about six months, I realized... <laughs> There wasn't enough space and they weren't allowing us to use their tanks or put in more tanks. So we needed to move. And when we did move, instead of, you know, the whole rigmarole from the start, it was transferring our brewing license to a new facility. So it was a little bit easier, uh, you know, to make that make that move. And when we moved to our our facility that we owned, uh, the, the time from breaking ground to brewing was three months. So we were able to install a whole new system, do everything and, and get brewing in just three months. And, you know, the license moving the license over was quick. That's impressive in terms of being in a different space and being able to get all that through the municipalities in that frame of time too, right? Well, we had a great city, so okay, that, well. that was that was my criteria: is have a great city. You've, you've and, already uh, done the Fed, so it was just the great city you needed. Yeah, they they helped push things through. You know, building permits, everything else. Um, they they made it happen for me, so that was great. That is great. It is really important to, and, and this is true for anybody, regardless of all prop or just opening your own brewery, is is talking to the your local planning department, the local uh, alcohol licensing, I mean, they can be really, really helpful or they can be not really helpful. So <laughs> make make friends. For sure. I, I tell people to choose the city, you know, carefully, you know, uh, the finding the location, people find a great building and then they, they kind of go, they fall in love with it and they have to be there and big mistake. The city doesn't want them brewing there. You know, find find the city first, talk to the cities, see which ones really want to work with you. And when you find one that does, that's priceless. You know, it may they may not be able to give you money, but them wanting you there and them helping you, that's that's priceless. Um the other advantage to all prop was um, you know, by by brewing for you know uh, a a while and getting some distributors up and running, uh a bank came to us asking to loan us money. <laughs> and uh, you really were in an alternate universe. <laughs> yes. Um, and this was a, a union bank, you know, big bank. And they, they had this, um, you know, division that was lending money to breweries and wineries. And so they heard about us and, and came to us. And so uh, we were able to get, you know, a million dollar loan to build out our, our own facility. So that really, you know, if we hadn't been doing the all prop thing and gotten started and had distribution and all that, um, nobody would have loaned us the money to do that. So that was extremely helpful. That sounds very similar to the advice that we give all the time about um, doing self-distribution first to mm -hmm. establish your brand. So the idea yes. of being able to make it, build it, market it, establish it, and in your case, have distribution already, that mm -hmm. makes it much less of a risk. You've already got the thing going. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They see that and they go, wow, you're successful and you're, you know, you're building and you're growing. And so they, they just open up the checkbook and give you money. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true for, if you're looking for investors as well, mm -hmm. I mean, to be able to so show them a track record and, and actual sales and presence in a marketplace, that's going to go a lot longer than, Hey, I have this idea. Right. Um, right. You know. 
it yeah, makes a difference. Yeah, there's a proof of concept, and mm-hmm. um, you know the alt prop does that. Uh, you know, you have to be careful. I think about what alt prop partner you choose. So it's it's like you know getting married to somebody. You know, you're going to uh, or you know having roommates. Um, you know, you're sharing that space. And, you know, if they don't like how you clean something or you don't like how they clean something or you both want to use, you know, the microwave at the same time, you know, or the brew plant at the same time, you have to schedule and plan. In our case, um, the brewery that we were sharing with, they weren't brewing there. Um, They brewed, you know, very rarely. Um, They didn't have a lot of... uh, uh, sales going on. They had a, a brew pub that they were supplying and at 37 barrels, you know, that's a lot of beer to move through a brew pub. So they just weren't brewing that often. So it was easy for us. Um, you know, we were able to brew frequently. Um, the issue we had was initially, and it was in the contract that we could put in more tanks. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, the uh, landlord, I guess, um, you know, decided they didn't want us, you know, brewing more beer. And then they had empty tanks and we, we offered to, you know, pay a thousand dollars per batch that went through their tanks, their 60 barrel tanks. And they said no to that too. Um, so kind of the writing was on the wall. They, they I don't know why they were, <laughs> didn't want us paying, uh, paying rent, um, but I think, uh, you know, we saw that we were getting, you know, bigger than the space would allow us. And it wasn't a great location either. Um, the the road outside that you had to uh, get things, you know, off of trucks, it was uh, at quite a slope. And so when you're offloading, if you're offloading a truck that's sloped towards you or sloped away from you, it, it makes a big difference. <laughs> And uh, it was a busy street, so you would tie up and and cars, you know, would get angry and all that. So I wanted to get away from all that. So, so I bet actually it was a good experience in finding out what maybe you did or didn't want in your own facility. Oh, yes. Like Absolutely. I never would have thought of the slope thing. Like it, it's like yeah. until you're there doing it, like, oh, crap, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, my requirement became loading docks and, um, you know, not not on a busy street and, uh, you know, things like that. And and also just the layout internally um, was difficult at that place. There was a it was a basement level and then an upper level and everything had to go up and down in a, in a freight elevator, but the the stairs to get upstairs and downstairs was at the complete opposite end of the building. So you had to push the button on that, go to the other end of the building, go down the stairs back to there, get your stuff off. And, you know, you had to do that multiple times. So it, it just, I, I realized that the layout of the, the brewery was, uh, you know, a critical thing as well. So I learned a, lo- a lot of stuff. Uh, also, you know, building out uh, the things that were missing in that building, uh, you know, the, the, all the piping for chilling was missing. Um, you know, we ended up having to do that. So we learned how to, how to do cool fit, uh, on the fly. And, uh, you know, I learned, uh, you know, tilting up tanks. I learned, you know, uh, setting up mills, a lot of stuff that, you know, just wasn't done. I had to, I had to do. So uh, having having to do that really made setting up my second brewery, uh, you know, so much easier. Candace, how much do you see in, in terms of contracts for an alternating proprietorship agreement that, that allows for that or um, makes some sort of structure around the tenant needing to be bigger than originally envisioned or needing to expand or adding is there, is there any sort of like way to do that? Or have you seen anybody say, well, I want to do this, but it could grow? I mean, it's definitely something you always want to consider. Um, but I think the thought is going into the all prop, knowing that if, if, you're, if you're at the point where you want to grow, then you're at the point where you probably want to find your own place. Um, in the sense that a lot of people go into the all prop as, a proof of concept. Like, this is just how we're going to get started. Make sure that, you know, especially someone who hasn't been professionally brewing, 
you know, make sure I can upscale my beer and that people actually like it and that there is a market for, for what we want to do. Um, so no, I, there's not a lot of that in the contract. Um, and part of that too is because I think the, the host brewer doesn't necessarily know what their, um, how their uh, needs are going to flow necessarily. I mean, everybody hopes they're going to need make to make more of their own beer. Um, I do see minimums and maximums though put in. And this is the same in contract brewing too, as we talked about in the last episode, where there's a minimum you have to contract for them to make. Um, so sometimes in the L Propter is going to be a, a minimum and a maximum of how much time you're going to be allowed or how many barrels. Um, but I do have people definitely talk about um, be, having the ability, the tenant, to be able to bring in a tank if there's room. Um, but it sounds like Jamil had that in his contract. And unfortunately, the other side still said said no. And then you find yourself in, are you in a breach of contract situation? And, you know, how much are you going to push that? Because then it's going to make working together potentially even more uncomfortable. Um right. So you want to protect yourself, but also realize that if you're starting to get pushback on things, it may be time to look for, you know, another option, whether that's another alt prop with someone else or whether that's going out and, and starting your own facility. And the nice thing is that at least in, and I assume this is true in most states, you could have multiple brewing locations mm-hmm. is that you can continue that alt prop. Um, whereas Jamil transferred his license from one to the other you can also just continue the all prop while you're doing a whole new license. So at least you're not stopping waiting for your facility to open and then kind of transition everything over. Gotcha. And, and you can alt prop in multiple places. You can, you can do as many alt props as basically, at least in California, you can do as many small brewery locations until you make enough beer to be considered a large brewery. Uh, and then you just, you can still have as many locations as you want. It's all about total barrelage, um, is the differentiation between small and large. So I'm sure it's a little different in every state, but. And and an alt prop is a brewery. You are Mm -hmm. running a brewery and it it is your brewery. You're just sharing equipment and space with somebody else. other, Other than that, you have to run the whole thing, you know, as, as your own brewery. Right. I want to get further into that. But before we lose track of the licensing piece, um, one thing that's kind of surfaced on my radar recently, and I'm sure it's not recent in the big picture of things, is the structure of the guilds and the structure of the BA in terms of um, whether you have a license or don't have a license. Are you officially a brewery? Are you eligible for membership? And I think in some cases, there are brewers who are living their dream that are not brewing their own beer who run into some issues with that. Um, in terms of not being able to be what's considered to be a full member in some cases because you don't have your own stainless uh, system that you're brewing on yourself. Um, any thoughts around that? I mean, I well, I mean, I know in California it comes down to what license you hold. At least I know like for the San Diego Brewers Guild um, and I think even the CCBA. So if you have a brewing license, it's not about owning the equipment but you do have to have the brewing license. So if you're contract brewing and therefore you have a wholesaler license or uh, an importer license so that allows you to buy the beer and resell it, um, you're not considered a brewer right? because you're not actually doing the brewing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's interesting how that can be sliced so many different ways. Um, but there are people that are very, very passionate about brewing and want to ha- own their own brewery that are not technically considered brewers until they have that license, whether they're alt prop or whether they have their own place. It's an interesting sort of. Well, alt prop, you, you are brewing. So you are a brewer and you have a brewing license. Right. Exactly. Just the contract brewer that, um, that has that issue. Right. It's not really, not really a brewer, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's the brand owner. Yeah. 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 It's someone has I think the difference is, to, in my mind, would be if you have your own recipe. If you came up with the recipe, versus you have a brand, and you have a contractor create a recipe for you, 
then you really aren't the brewer. You're a brand owner. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be a brewer who just doesn't have the the money or, or maybe even the time. Um, maybe you can't give up your full-time job, you know, but have, you have an amazing recipe and you want to get it in the market. Mm-hmm. Then I think that that might be that kind of weird in-between position of, of possibly the people you're talking about, Laura. Right. And owning your own brewery doesn't necessarily mean that you're brewing the recipes, but it's just an interesting um, definition or differentiation that I think people run into. And perhaps when you're starting, if you want to start as contract brewing, that might be a nuance that you don't know exists out there. So, okay, before we get into the next subject, let's take a quick moment for our sponsor message. Have you heard of Harvest Hosts? Brewery owners offer up a space for RVers to park for the night. In exchange, the Harvest Host member patronizes your business. All members have self-contained RVs, so no hookups or water are required from a host. There's no cost to become a host, and you keep all the money spent on-site. Visit harvesthosts.com forward slash hosts for more information. Okay, so let's get into how the alt prop works in some cases. So Jamil, have you how did you end up with, did you share ingredients? Did you bring in your own ingredients and they brought their own ingredients? How did you do storage and, you know, all of that kind of operational stuff? Back when we did um, our alt prop, that was um, 2010, um, 2010, 2011. Uh, the requirement was that everything was kept separate. So your ingredients were kept separate. Your your beer was stored separate. Everything had to be strictly separate they've loosened up on those laws and now you can kind of share stuff um you you have to track it and pay for it and all that but um uh so we we really had to uh back then keep everything uh completely separate which which was good because um uh you know the otherwise you, I think you run into to issues. Uh, you know, it's like when you have roommates, it's better if you each have your own separate cubby of, you know, food. Who drank the orange just, juice? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not mixing, mixing things up. So, you know, that, that roommate thing really quite important. Yeah. That makes sense. Candace, are there laws around that of, of mixing, sharing or non-mix? Well, you know, it's funny because I actually didn't realize they had loosened up. I thought you still had to keep your ingredients separate. Um, but actually, now that I think about it, I know the broad reports aren't nearly as detailed as so the the brewer's report of operations that TTB has uh, brewers do is not as detailed as it used to be. And I think used to be you had to like track, like do inventory of all your ingredients mm-hmm. um, how monthly, much quarterly. You used, how exactly. Many, how many hops you used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly if that was the case, you'd need your ingredients separate for tracking purposes. Um, but again, it's going to be different Then there. The states are going to have their own laws too, separate yeah. from the feds. So I do know federally, you still have to keep your finished beer separate. Um, just kind of like you have to keep your empty kegs separate from your full kegs, mm-hmm. <laughs> odd things like that. <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, if you, um, if you were to to use somebody else's ingredients, you would have to purchase it. You have to have a paper trail that shows that they didn't like, you know, they're not giving you stuff or you're not, they, they want to make sure that, you know, the amount of alcohol that you're producing, they're getting their tax off of. So if like a big brewery that was reaching, you know, 60,000, 60,000 barrels, or something they they didn't want to pay the higher tax on the above 60,000 barrels so they give you the ingredients you brew it and something you know going on like that i think they're worried about stuff like that so um that's why you know you just need to make sure that there's a paper trail that you took the ingredients from them you paid them for the ingredients you know it's all it's all on the up and up and i do think that's still totally totally acceptable i mean the other thing too is especially Someone who's big and buying in bigger quantities is probably getting more of it, can probably get it a little cheaper. And right. so if you buy it from them, that's fine. But yeah, just like Jamil said, that paper trail is kind of the key. And I think that's good for everybody because that way too, if you aren't keeping track of how much you paid for your ingredients and what was what, then you don't know how much it costs to brew X beer. So therefore, how do you price it? And, and 
you know, from an accounting perspective, these are all things I think you want to know from a business side um, of running your business, as opposed to it's an IPA. So I'm going to charge X (laughs) rather than I put in these like really expensive hops and therefore I should charge X plus, you know. Right. I'd about, also go ahead. I'd also recommend um, marking your your small parts, so you know valves and all those things, because um, at one point we were accused of stealing some valves and other little parts, and um, you know we of course we hadn't, and you know we're like you know, we just use our 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 parts, and and we had you know started marking them. And uh, we were like, we're just using these. And then uh, the host uh, figured out that it was actually, you know, one of their people that was stealing the parts. And uh, so, um, you know, mark everything, have your separate parts, have separate bins to put them in, things like that. A separate area to store all your small parts. It really shouldn't be an issue, but, you know, by, by doing that, you avoid the issues that, that could come up. You know, it's it's like having a good contract, you know, it helps you. <laughs> it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be necessary, but then there comes a time where it is. Did you have when when you were working in your alt prop situation, did you have like checklists for people to do when they were cleaning up after they were brewing and like something to add some structure for both sides of the partnership? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, there were SOPs for, you know, what state the, the, the brewery need to be left in at the end, you know, you couldn't leave it messy, you know, it had to be, everything had to be cleaned, the floor need to be cleaned, everything need to be put away, everything need to be ready for the next person to brew. Right. Did you run? And that's actually, I think one of those things that you want to check as a, as, as, someone looking for an alt prop situation or even a contract brewer is kind of checking out their, their space and are they clean and are they cleaning everything or is there, is your level of clean and their level of clean the same again, Mm -hmm. just like roommates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're interested in doing an alt prop and you're going into interview, look at the facilities, have those discussions, um, it sounds like, you know, the whole tour of the system, do you ask to join for a brew day? What, what kind of best practices are there around that? What would you suggest, Jamil? Yeah, I, I think if you can do that, you know, in my case, the brewery wasn't up and running. Right. Uh, so I had to kind of, you know, go off of faith that everything would work and work well. And, um, uh, but if, if you could go and, and just, you know, see how they're operating, see, you know, see the the condition of the facility, see if you feel like there's room for you in that facility uh, for, for what you envision you're doing. Um, is the, is the brew plant the right scale for what your plan is? If it's something that produces, you know, 500 barrels on a, on a turn, obviously you have to have, you know, distribution already or something. If it's something that produces, you know, three barrels at a turn, that's not enough to really do anything with. So <clears throat> you have to kind of, you know, see is it, what scale they're brewing. If you're going to use their fermenters, uh, how many fermenters do they have? What size are they? You know, do you d- need to do multiple turns into those fermenters to, you know, make it work? Or, you know, can you do a single turn? You know, all that's important. Is there a laboratory where you can, you can do some basic testing of your beer uh, to maintain quality? You know, what is the quality of their beer? What's their reputation? How likely are they to stay in business? If they're going to go out of business, um, you know, you're going to get taken down with them. If they're not paying the rent, um, you know, you're stuck. Maybe there's a chance for you to take it over. Maybe not. Um, You know, it could, you know, destroy your whole business uh, that you built. If they say have loans on the equipment and they're, not paying the the loans. And that's why they're trying to bring in an alt prop. That's still not enough. And then the equipment gets repossessed or, you know, they're not paying their, their uh, lease on the building. All that can happen. Is the building safe? Is, is everything, you know, up to, you know, proper standards, ADA is the, is the, you know, if it's a platform, is it safe to get on? Are they, are they working, you know, within the OSHA rules? 
uh, OSHA can, you know, come in. And if you're taking your turn working in an unsafe environment and have OSHA violations, you know, those violations are going to fall on you as well. So uh, that could crush you just because they didn't set it up correctly. You go in, uh, you know, you, you're taking a risk on who you're working with uh, and making sure that those people are working safe as well. And, and one thing you could put in your contract is indemnification for some of that stuff too. Just as a, I mean, I don't know how, again, contracts are great. It's the enforcement part that, that comes into play, but I would at least recommend um, having that in there so that if you do get a violation for something that they have done, that, that they indemnify you for that as much as, as that is possible, at least. What about sharing brewers? Like if, if you're an alt prop and you need support staff or your brewer leaves or blah, 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 and you have, if there's somebody working for the host brewer that is willing to help you, would they also need to be your employee, Candace, to do that? Yes. Um, I mean, I guess you could pay them as an independent contractor, but what you're going to run into are uh, joint employer issues. So basically, if that person is working for both of you and they're injured on the job, they're going to sue both of you. I, I would highly recommend not having joint employees. Um, although, I mean, if you really need the help, I mean, yeah, maybe you could pay them as a consultant. Um, but yeah, I I, I, I try and uh, I definitely recommend I try and convince people to stay away from joint employment uh, scenarios. It's not good for either company. I'd agree with that. Mm -hmm. Did you share people, Jamil, when you were uh, brewing on the same system? No. no. Um, you know, it's like Candace says, there's, you know, any issue that comes up, you're, you're going to share that issue. So it's better to, uh, and, you know, I, I'm very picky about the people I employ. <laughs> so you know, I need, I need somebody that's, that's up to my standard. And, um, you know, <laughs> I won't say few people make that standard, but I like to make sure that the people making my beer are, you know, doing it the way that I want. So. Mm -hmm. And your people, um, what, what around, um, what advice would you have around seasonality in terms of say the host brewer needs, um, to have a boost in terms of filling fermenter space, but not in the summer. Um, how do you how do you finagle around that contractually, and how do you really? Um, so, so for example, there's brewing space available November, December, January, but there's no brewing space available June, July, August, September. Um, is there? Have you seen any ways to work around that, or figure out a way to make something like that work? Are you asking me? Uh, sure. Either of you. <laughs> I mean, you could certainly contractually do that. However, I would say in that situation, that's not a good option for an alt prop. That That's a contract brewing. They should contract brew when they have the capacity. But I don't, I think that'd be a tough world for an alt prop because I think seasonality, I mean, at least in, and this is my thought process, seasonality kind of is a location type thing. So if it's their busy season, it would probably be the tenant brewer's busy season also. Well, and what you might, what you might be able to do, you know, first off, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't choose that location if, if that was a problem. So that's, that's, you know, you're kind of pointing out another thing to look for, um, you know, in an all prop uh, host. But if, uh, you know, if you get there and you, um, you see that there's room for more tanks, but they just don't have the money to buy more tanks. You know, you could perhaps, you know, start in their slower season, um, get yourself going while you've ordered tanks to come in, to be put in place before the, uh, the busy season. And, you know, those tanks are your tanks to use. Um, I think, you know, th that, that could be a possibility. So that begs a different question. Um, I know that, I have heard some questionable practices of uh, contract brewing hosts telling a potential tenant 
that if they want a contract brew, they have to buy their own fermenters um, for that host in order to for their beer to be brewed there. Um, how do you each feel about that? Candace, is that fuzzy legally? It just seems like a stretch. Well, I mean, yeah, if they're willing to do it, it's, it's not illegal. I mean, it, it's not like you're going to give a retailer a draft system. Um, I mean, manufacturer, manufacturer. I mean, if if that's if you want that person to contract brew your beer that badly, and you're willing to buy the tanks, I mean, you can buy the tanks and still own the tanks. I mean, it's all it's all what's in the contract. Would it uh, get weird with liability and weird with the building and weird with? That's just, no, it's just equipment. Yeah. It, it's like the your um when you rent equipment, the equipment owner isn't responsible for what any happens at the facility. So I actually did this uh at Heretic for a friend of mine. He really wanted us to uh brew some of his beer for him. He had two restaurant locations and and distribution and he couldn't produce enough of his uh you know core brands. And so you know, we were the brewery that he really wanted to do it because he liked our quality. And so um, he purchased or, he, you know, he came up with the money for 220 barrel tanks and also uh, bought a centrifuge and also bought a canning line. So he bought all that equipment so we could, you know, brew and can his beer for him. So um, and what we did was on the tanks, every batch that we brewed, I think we um, took a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars off of the the cost of the batch, and we purchased the tanks from him over the course of you know a year or so, and so he in the end didn't have to pay for the tanks. Um, he just kind of fronted the money for us on that, and then in the end we um, we bought a faster canning line he sold the slow canning line and then we bought the centrifuge from him um and you know that was absolutely the best contract brewing experience like anybody could possibly have he's just a wonderful person and uh was really understanding of any issues and uh, we worked together just tremendously so maybe that's a, a good strategy in terms of you know if that's the ask or there's not the capacity to work mm -hmm. out a program where the host brewer would buy that equipment from you mm -hmm. sure. over time. And, you know, I, I think if you're, you know, there's not a ton of places that are just like, oh yeah, let's, let's do an alt prop and have another brewer come in. Uh, you know, I know heretic is, is uh, since I've left is considered something like that, but then you're, you know, as a host looking at <laughs> from the host side, um, you know, do you really want someone else coming in and working on your, your, your brewing equipment or sharing your building with you because they break something and you're a busy brewery, you know, you're down and, you know, how much experience do they have brewing? You know, a lot of times if you're somebody new to commercial brewing and you want to go in and, and run somebody's, you know, $400,000, you know, brew plant, um, I'm going to hold on a minute, you know, so if you're somebody who has brewed commercially before and you've got years of experience and you know what you're doing on this size of equipment, this type of equipment, well, then that's a big, uh, uh, you know, much different story. I'd, I'd welcome you in probably. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another thing. Um, as a host, I bring somebody in who's got no commercial brewing experience. I'm going to have to teach them a lot of stuff, like how to be safe around, you know, hot caustic and, and acid you know, how to, you know, you know, be careful, you know, you know, somebody on a forklift in a brewery can do a huge amount of damage in, in just a, you know, one moment and one, one wrong move, they could take out a lot of equipment, a lot of beer. So, or, you know, even worse, injure somebody or kill somebody. So as a host, you have to worry about those, those issues, you know, is, is this somebody that I would trust in my brewery? Um, and so as somebody looking to get an alt prop uh, opportunity, you need to make sure that your skills and, and your, your, you need to sell yourself to that person. You know, they, they may be desperate for money, but, you know, not that desperate that they would take a huge risk on, on some, some uh, neophyte. 
Right. You know, and the the one thing we actually haven't talked about um, that I'm surprised more people don't do, which is somewhat similar to Jamil, what you did, but is two startups who might neither alone have enough money for the facility starting out together as an all prop and like I'll buy the candy line and I'll buy the centrifuge, you know, and, and mm-hmm. splitting some of that startup cost, which yes, you have to figure out over the long run, you know, how that's going to come out in the wash. But I think that's a really interesting idea. And as far as I understand, you can have more than one, all pro- like you could have three all props. You can have 10. I don't know if any, okay. I'm not sure anyone wants to have 10. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> right, right. No, but um, that's there's a lot of that community thing going on now where there's one central location and everybody's working from it, giving to it, you know, and I think that that uh, what's the right word? That kind of sharing of the thing. The community. The community yeah, piece. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you also share the liability. So that, that, that's my warning. So I had a client who was going into one of those shared like everyone was going to share the common area and it was like five restaurants like it was a whole lot and i'm like so you are now jointly liable in that common area for that spirits you know that bar with no food and how they're serving Mm -hmm. so just know again just like anything else roommates you want to you need to trust and feel comfortable with those people. And that again, that they are, they have the same level of service of um, commitment to quality and safety and all the things that you do, because, you know, especially if you're sharing a tasting area, you're all responsible for what happens there. So if someone's drunk and disorderly, that's on everybody who is one of those involved businesses. All the licensees are, are liable. Yeah. They had roommate brings in an axe murder. Well, there you go. Everybody's at risk. At that point, it's not about the orange juice. (laughs) 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 That's an interesting one. Um, So I wanted to to go back to reporting just quickly. Candace, in, in terms of a contract brewer, the contract brewer does all the reporting and the tenant as in effect is just purchasing the finished product from them. Is that correct? Right. Well, so, and, and, and this, so I don't actually use the word host and tenant and a contract brewer. Right. I'm scenario. just trying to differentiate. Well, I, I kind of do contract brewer and brewee is kind of okay. how I do it because okay. the brewer is doing the brewing right. and therefore has the brewing license and yes, has to do all the reporting has to fall for the colas has to get the formula approval has to do all the things a manufacturer does. And I, I have to go over this a lot because a lot of contract brewers, at least once I've dealt with in other states in California, they all get it. But like, well, I don't want to submit anything to the state of California. This isn't my beer. I just contract brewed it. I'm like, but you're the manufacturer. So you have to file this paperwork. And I've had to go back and forth. Like, here's the head of ABC email. You have to file this because the contract brewee doesn't have a license type they're, they don't have a brewing license. So their license type doesn't allow them to access the things that the brewer has to file. They can't file for a COLA mm-hmm. uh, on the federal level. Um, the brewer has to do that for them. But in an alt prop, you're both brewers. So you both do your own reporting, your own filing, your own pay your own taxes, uh, et cetera. Is- yeah, the way to look at the alt prop is you're a brewer, you have a brewery, you, you know, it just so happens you're kind of renting the brewery, uh, the equipment and the space from this other brewer. That's, that's basically it. You're uh, other than that, you're fully licensed and all the responsibilities of, of a brewer are yours. So do you like, would you rent time or space in the lab? Like, how would you share that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can, um, you know, I, I'm sure you could send, you know, if Candace was doing the contract, I'm sure she'd have that in there, <laughs> you know, uh, lab reagent uses and things like that. Um, you know, just like you share the, the brewing equipment, um, you know, and, and, and most of the time it's, it's not a big deal, I think. So keep, think about it this way. 
your alternating proprietorship contract should read a lot like a lease. You are I think of it more like a sublease because it's because your landlord is there with you as opposed to you're running the whole thing. You're running part of it and they're there too. And there are common areas that everyone gets access to. And maybe you set up a schedule if, you know, depending on how that works, but that's your all prop contract is going to be more like a lease than your contract bring contract, which is more about someone providing services to someone else. That makes sense. So Jamil, in, in a perfect world, given all the options out there, if you were interested in, um, say you're you're open and you're a smaller brewery and you have one or two beers that you, you are really going crazy and you can't keep up with production on that and you want somebody else to brew that for you, or you want to brew on someone else's system that has bigger capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, would you Would you tend to encourage people to still brew their own and have control over as much as they possibly can, what's where, where are you with like product consistency on different systems? For me, it's, uh, it has to, I have to do it myself. I would, I would never let somebody else screw my beer, but I see, I see, you know, why people do it. Um, sometimes, you know, you can go to a contract brewer and they will make the beer better than you do. Um, so that's that's an advantage um but uh you know i think alt prop is is maybe more i mean if you've already got your facility i think it'd be be better for you to try and grow your facility more yourself at your place it's gonna be probably more consistent and cheaper than you know going to another location where you know, you've got the travel aspect in there. Um, and then you're also dealing with other people. So I'd look really hard at, at expanding your your own first. And if not that, then y- you might contract brew if you have, you know, somebody you know that's trusted. We've done on multiple o- occasions for people, just, you know, a few batches here and there to get them by uh, until they could expand their own facility. Uh, um, friend of mine, former employee, he's building out more tanks and stuff like that. But until then he needed, you know, heretic to, to produce some beer for him. So um, I think that that's, that would probably be the way I would go. Not for me, but right. for people all, are, are willing to, to have someone else contract. Of all the options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also know of a, a startup that started up with brewing all their own beer, except the beer that they wanted to have for specific sporting events. And they let the contract brewer, they worked, they did Mm. the recipe together and the contract brewer only brews that beer. So it's only ever brewed at that place. Um, So it's interesting combinations of opportunities and options. Yeah. I think the all prop is best for people, you know, just trying to get started, uh, you know, to open their own brewery. Um, You know, some people are fine with just contract brewing and doing it that way. Um, you know, having, having beer brewed for them. Uh, that's not for me. If, if you're into marketing and sales and all that, I can see that. But uh, for me, that's not being a real brewer. So I, uh, for me, I, I would, I would go down the alt prop route um, if you can't afford to open your own facility and it can be, you know, very beneficial, get you started. You, you learn a lot and um uh, you know, it's, you've already done some of the steps. So opening your own facility later on, you're partway there already. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful advice. Candice, what would you recommend? We'll call this the advice section of things and wrap it up. I would completely uh, echo what Jamil just said. Um, I mean, I think as we found out with contract brewing, it's hard to get a good contract brewer um, or certainly a professional contract brewer without needing a very large amount uh, or be willing to have them brew a large uh, quantity for you. And so therefore that seems to be a better solution if you just need more capacity, especially if you've got one beer that's just taking off and you need 30 barrels of it at a time versus really trying to start your own, your own business plus, and not to be the, the negative person, but you know what, if you started an alt prop and it doesn't take off. Well, that's 
pretty easy out and you didn't put a whole lot, you know, on the line other than some time and rent. Preferably not your house and all the things that people do to make it. Exactly. That is a huge, a huge plus. Yes. One of the other things I wanted to kind of pull out here too was uh, Jamil's point about bringing somebody in an alt prop relationship that maybe hasn't brewed on big commercial size equipment before. If, if somebody is home brewing and they're, they're making that jump to being a commercial brewer, there's a lot of differences in the systems and the processes of things. Um, would you say, Jamil, that it's kind of a best practice to to go brew somewhere or or you know join a brewing team? I know I'm not allowed to say volunteer. Are you allowed to should you go and get experience somewhere else in a in a commercial brewery before you start brewing on a commercial system anyway, especially if you're looking to alt prop? Yeah, I think that would certainly help, especially, you know, to convince somebody that you have you know, the necessary skills not to get yourself killed or, uh, you know, damage, damage the brewery. I mean, you might even go to wherever you're looking to all prop and say, look, I, I, you know, I'll work for you for free, which you can't really do, but, um, you know, go in and, uh, you know, or, you know, it's an educational thing where they're teaching you how to brew and then you're doing it on their, their equipment. They can watch you and see how you work and, you know, if they're on the on the fence about letting you all prop with them, you know, this might be the thing that convinces them that, yeah, you're somebody that they like, that they can work with, that they can share space with and somebody who knows what they're doing um, that I'm sure that would really help, uh, you know, seal the deal. And, and you get valuable experience that way. For existing breweries out there. The reason you don't want people to work for you for free mm-hmm. is because if they get hurt on your premises, mm-hmm. they are not covered by your workers' comp, and they will probably have to sue you for their medical expenses. That is why free labor is bad for the employer. The number Sorry. one thing I've learned mm-hmm. is not to say. Yeah. <laughs> free? Free anything. <laughs> Nothing is free. The number Nothing of people should that, be free. number of people that came in and said, oh, I'll work for you for free. I'm like, I can't do that. Said, so, look, I'll I'll pay you, you know, whatever minimum wage is, you know, at the time, and then people are like, well, I can't work for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you'd work for free. When they say they want to work for free, they don't really mean it. They don't really. They don't really kind of hang out and and sort of do some stuff, but uh, sip on beer sure. while you do all the work. <laughs> you offer somebody a job. Uh, they're like, no, I can't do that. I, I've had people do that multiple times. <laughs> Will work for beer okay. doesn't necessarily mean work. Yeah, no, no, no. They they don't want a real job. Where I had some people that really did. I said, look, you have zero experience. I'll start you out minimum wage. We'll see how you do. And they took the job and they worked full time minimum wage. And you know, uh, got people you know uh, moved way up in the company. Uh, by doing that. So it is possible, but awesome. you really have to be dedicated. Yeah. Dedication for sure. All right. Well, we'll, we'll call it there. Um, a big thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to Jamil. Thank you to Candace for joining us now and, and everybody for listening in the future for episode 15 contract brewing and alternating proprietorship part two of the started brewery podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode 16 operational strategies. We're going to do one part about systems and the other with people and continuing forward with your business plan. This will be released before your eyes open on Tuesday, August 1st. We have a final wrap-up word from our sponsor. Ready to earn additional revenue by offering up a flat parking space? Signing up with Harvest Hosts is a slam dunkle. The sign-up process is simple and you can start accepting RVers within a week. There is no cost to be a host and no hookups are required to get started. Hosts can accept or deny stay requests using text or email, control the number and size of RVs, and manage their own calendar of availability. Visit harvesthosts.com forward slash hosts or reach their team at listings at harvesthosts.com. While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Start a Brewery website at startabrewery.com, a free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their breweries. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process, plan, act, open, and grow, at the educational resources, and at the offerings from our savvy contributors in our growing library.
You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Startup Brewery contributors, content, events, and more great information on the contact page of the website. We also encourage you to explore the All About Beer website at allaboutbeer.com. Perhaps pop in and enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well. In the meantime, this has been Laura Lodge and Candace Moon wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery.